Hello and welcome to a new episode of a documentary podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Catherine. And we are two filmmakers who talk about documentaries. Yep. <laughs> so it's been a while since we've done another one of these. Um, how's life? Um, pretty good. The film industry, or at least the commercial industry in Denver, has started to pick up. So I have been working a little bit. And everyone's trying to figure out how to navigate COVID guidelines on set because sets aren't very conducive to space. Yeah, I'm curious, like, especially with the type of narrative films that I generally make, which are relationship films where people kiss and stuff like that. I don't even know how I would move forward with making a film like that right now. I think because like what the commercial did is it had a lot of families and so they just cast real people compared to hiring actors. So I guess like if you were doing a narrative, if you found like a couple who was willing to be on camera and had the skills to do so, yeah, you could do that. But it's limiting. But sometimes limitations lead to the best art. So mm -hmm. I do think that that's actually really interesting. Um, yeah, and I do think out of this, uh, there'll be a lot more smaller productions than just big stuff. Like the shoots I normally on are like 50 plus people and we've had to pare it down to like 30 and under, which gives people more responsibility. Um, and you have to be more creative and less reliant on others, which I think is good. I do think that's good, especially in... You know, when you're in film school and stuff like that, the way you learn how to make films is not very, like, holistic. People don't think they can make a film unless they have, like, you know, $100,000 to make their film mm -hmm. or whatnot. So maybe this is, like, forcing people to think about how I've always thought about films with the lack of resources of just, like, you can make a film for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel you. I, uh, I have been very busy all of a sudden um, with shoots and productions and stuff like that with clients. And it's been strange. It's such a strange... I feel like I'm so used to everybody moving slow that it's like it feels overwhelming mm -hmm. to be back in the flow of work. And, yeah, and I feel like productions are trying to make up for lost time too so yeah. there's like an incredible amount of urgency which yeah. can be stressful i do feel pretty happy though because in the last couple weeks my film i shot in mexico finally got released so it's on youtube anyone can go watch it you know go to a documentarycompany.com it's on the front page uh i made the film with a trail running group called Ari libre and I think we made a beautiful little tone piece that's a love letter to Oaxaca and to trail running and to meditation. Um, I'm really excited about it. So I'm glad that it's finally out there. And I have some other projects in the works now. So with bigger scope. Today we're talking about two films. Um, one is Good Trouble about the late John Lewis who just passed away. Um, who's an incredible human being. So I was, I was 
we'll get into the film, but you know, mm -hmm. it was beautiful to learn more about him as a person. Um, cause yes. unfortunately because of the way our society is set up, I didn't know a lot about him. And then we're going to talk about a beautiful, gorgeous, amazing film called I am not your Negro. But before we get into that, what else have you been watching lately? Okay. So some of the ones I've been watching, um, the one I've been really struck by was LA 92. It's on Netflix and was put out by, or was edited by National Geographic. And it's just a bunch of found footage about the protests from the 60s onwards. Um, and I have not been, I have not seen a film so well edited in a long time. And I think it's a great representation of sort of the evolution of protests Oops, and how not much has actually changed in history. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I do want to highlight that as well, because LA-92, it is, it's, it's stuck with me too. I think about mm -hmm. it as I'm seeing images on the news, as I'm seeing the things that are happening in the world right now, as I'm seeing the police just continually doing the same things over and over and over again that film just stands out to me as like something that connected the past to something that happened more recently in such an incredible way that it's lingering. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. film. It's incredibly made. Um, I think yeah, and I, oh. we will do a more in depth talk about it eventually. Yeah. I, I definitely think we should because anytime someone asks for like document document, documentary recommendations right now um that's usually the first one i go to um i want to highlight one that i've been watching on hbo uh it's a true crime series about michelle mcnamara and her writing her book about the golden state killer um it's honestly i think it's like five episodes in right now or four episodes in right now. I can't remember exactly. It's one of the best. It might be the best true crime documentary I've seen. Oh, wow. Since like the groundbreaking, like thin blue line, like it's incredibly well done. It's kind of, I don't want to hype it up too much because maybe people will be disappointed, but I have, I had high expectations for it and I've been blown away with every episode because of how it, and it's the same with her book too. The way that it juxtaposes her process of, if anyone's unfamiliar, Michelle McNamara, she was writing a book about the golden state killer. She was married to Patton Oswald, the famous comedian and actor. Um, she was writing and investigating the Golden State Killer and obsessed with this story. And she passed away before her book could be finished. Um, and she was dealing with a lot of stuff while writing this book. And anyway, Pat Oswald got together with some of her colleagues that were helping with the book to finish it. And it got released and just blew up the charts you know, it was this huge success, but she never got to see the book finished. And I've, I was listening to the audiobook, and it's one of the few books that 
the stories of the people that were affected by the Golden State Killer are so disturbing that I was getting chills and I was actually horrified. And the way she juxtaposes her personal life with this story in the book is incredible. And then the documentary is just doing an amazing job at also doing a very similar thing, talking about Michelle and her life and the process of her writing this book while also unveiling the information about the killer and the invest and finding, you know, him. Um, it's yeah, definitely everyone watch it. Okay. I want to suggest one more. It's a cycling documentary called wonderful losers. And it's beautiful because it's a sports film, but it's not about the winners. Um, in cycling, there is a kind of, you have like the people that are going for the win and then the rest of the team in cycling are all kind of working for that person. So people are most familiar with like Lance Armstrong, you know, he was winning races, but he had a whole team of people that would stay in the back. They would like let Lance Armstrong draft off of him or, you know, they would go back to the team car that's driving behind the Peloton and then uh, grab bottles for him uh, with like their nutrition and, you know, sprint back up to the front to give him the bottles and make sure that he has enough food and water and et cetera, et cetera, while they're riding hundreds of miles a day. And so this film focuses on those people, the ones in the back that are the, they're called domestiques that are actually like working for the team, working for the winners. And it's really like meditative film. It's really beautifully done. Um, yeah, I just have to recommend anyone watch it. It's it's very much the style of film that we talk about. There's no like narration or anything, but you kind of get a picture for these people that work just as hard as the people that win the races, but their job is literally to to not finish the race sometimes and to not even like to not win. They're, they're really the wonderful losers. <laughs> so definitely suggest watching. My philosophy is very simple. When you see something that is not right, not fair, yeah. not just, yeah. say something, yeah. do something, get in trouble, good trouble, necessary trouble. He was always different than every member of Congress. Everybody knew what he had done. He was John Lewis. We're marching today to dramatize to the world that hundreds and thousands of Negro citizens denied the right to vote. Congressman Lewis gave us the blueprint to organize and to legislate. The reason why he's effective as a leader is because he's lived it. We made a decision to march in an orderly, peaceful, nonviolent fashion from Selma to Montgomery. Your orders to disperse that march will not continue. I was hit in the head. My knees went from under me. I thought I was going to down the bridge. If John Lewis, as a 19, 20 year old, wasn't doing what he did, I would not be here. We will march with the spirit of love and with the spirit of dignity that we have shown here today. The whole time he was in the movement, it was frightening, knowing the danger, knowing what could happen. You cannot replace a John Lewis. He's the most courageous person I ever met. Too many people struggled and died to make it possible for every American to exercise their right to vote. 
he challenges the conscience of the Congress. Bring common sense gun control legislation to the House floor. Forty years later, John Lewis continues to inspire us. Are you with me? Let me hear you. Three civil rights workers that were murdered for trying to help people get registered to vote are looking down on us. This is a time for action. That's what I learned from John Lewis. There are forces in America today want to take us back, but we're not going back. We're going forward. John Lewis, Good Trouble, um, which was done by Don Porter and came out this year, is a profile of the civil rights leader and longtime Georgia congressman as he fights for civil rights, voting rights, gun control, health care reform, and immigration. And I would say this is very much a straightforward, like, biographical documentary. Not a ton of creativity, not really a style or tone, and I think that's what was the hardest for me, was he's such an impressive and, like, passionate person that I feel like the film didn't match up to the type of person he is. Yeah, so I think that's the important caveat is that sometimes when these types of films come out, it's, like, scary to be critical of them because they're about mm -hmm. such important people. But let's just, like, separate the person from the film. Mm -hmm. John Lewis is a very interesting... There is stuff in the film I had no idea about John Lewis. Yes. That was pretty mind-blowing. This person is incredible. Their history. Um, it's a beautiful... Like, he's a beautiful human being. This film does not do him justice. Not at all. And it does feel to me that... I don't know when this film was released. I should have probably looked at that. What? It was released, like, recently. 2020. Yeah, because it just felt, like, rushed. Mm-hmm. Like, not the film but like the editing job didn't seem very tight. That's what I said. I'll, like the transitions were very abrupt because they yeah. go between like interview footage, found footage, and then current stuff. And it would often jump between the present and the past with like no transition, no common thread. And you're just like, okay, I guess we're going back in time now. Um, yeah. And the talking head stuff just didn't work. Oh, I, um, I wish it been a bit more personal because um, they yeah. had a few shots where he, um, John Lewis is actually watching the footage of the past and they show his reaction and then you expect there to be a longer reaction or for him to like make some sort of comment or reflection and then it just cuts to something else and I would love to hear like his current day thoughts on the past. Yeah. Yeah and this is like a common thing that happens with documentaries it feels like when a lot of people, some people are making a film about someone's life who was an interesting, very important person. It's, I don't need the film to necessarily be critical of that person. Um, Cause I will mention another film that I thought did this very beautifully, making a film about someone's life. I just think that there isn't an, narrow there needs to be a narrower view of what style of film you're making mm -hmm. and when you're jumping from some verte to talking heads to archival footage it's really hard to balance the tone and this film i think utterly failed at that and it's a shame because 
I want something about John Lewis's life that is more succinct and that feels more humanistic. Cause there are moments in this film that are very beautiful and I would have liked to see more of what you mentioned with him watching that older footage. I was kind of ashamed that that didn't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the archival footage was great. Um, which, you know, the next film we're going to talk about uses, utilizes that in such a beautiful way. Yeah. It's just the talking head stuff just felt very surface level. Mm-hmm. And I just wish that it would have felt more human. It didn't feel yeah. very human. And it felt very much like the filmmaker was scared of not doing this man justice, which I think led to a film that did not do this man justice. <laughs> yeah. And I felt like it almost was like a political piece at times. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why it was rushed to get out for this election, because a huge part of the film was about voting rights and like how John Lewis dedicated his career to yeah. that. Um, yeah. And I wish the film had either been about sort of the Voting Rights Act and that through history and his work with it or a biography about him. Mm -hmm. I feel like they kept switching between the two and then that's what made it very disjointed and Yeah. I think when you're dealing with a man who's done so much that if you want to make a film that's about the breadth of his work, it's going to feel disjointed because there's so many different facets to a human being. So you kind of need to narrow the focus. Are you making a personal film? Are you making a political film? Are you making mm -hmm. an issue film? And if you are, some documentaries do this really amazingly that you can make a personal film and make it political because if you narrow that focus, those politics can kind of, you know, they can kind of just show up in a way mm -hmm. that connects with people. And that didn't happen here. It does happen in the next film we're talking about very mm -hmm. well. And also I wanted to mention a film that I watched last week that deals with similar, it's a similar film and it's about a very important person. And anyway, it's a uh, Be Water. It's uh, a new documentary about Bruce Lee and this film does tells the story of Bruce Lee in such a beautiful way. And they use interviews, but the interesting thing is they never show the person that is talking um, during the film. So you just hear their voice with archival footage and somehow it makes it feel more personal because you're not seeing a old footage with like an old person. You know what I mean? Like you're seeing mm -hmm. the time that they're talking about and you're seeing a lot about the Chinese anti-racist activism and what inspired Bruce Lee to want to be an action hero in America and his experience with racism at the time. And so they made this film that talked about you know, those issues of racism in Hollywood and America at the time against Chinese people in a way that illuminated the issue 
but it was through the eyes of Bruce Lee. It felt like you felt like you were hearing it from the people that loved Bruce Lee that were around him, that the lives that he affected, um, and you were getting the bigger picture of Chinese racism or racism against Chinese folks, uh, and Asian folks in general in America at the time. And I wish that there was more of that in this film. And I think that I hope someone else is working on a John Lewis film. Cause I definitely mm-hmm. think that there is, um, his life is incredible. The stories are incredible. I'm still glad I watched the film because I did get to learn a lot more about him as a person. Um, but as purely from a cinematic perspective, um, I was disappointed in the movie. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, it'd be good in a history class. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But that's, like, not a compliment to a film often. No. It's not... It's, like, one of those things where you can... If you can separate the movie from watching... Just getting information about this person's life, I think it's still worth a watch. But it's not a particularly well-put-together film. Mm Mm-mm. So So with that, I think we transition to one that does it much better. Yeah. Yes. If any white man in the world says, give me liberty or give me death, the entire white world applauds. When a black man says exactly the same thing, he is judged a criminal and treated like one, and everything possible is done to make an example of this bad nigger so there won't be any more like him. The story of the Negro in America is the story of America. It is not a pretty story. Most of the white Americans I've ever encountered surely have nothing whatever against Negroes. That's really not the question. Really a kind of apathy and ignorance. You don't know what's happening on the other side of the world because you don't want to know. In America, I was free only in battle, never free to rest. We need to take action any kind of action by any means necessary. They needed us to pick the cotton, and now they don't need us anymore. Now they don't need us, they're gonna kill us all off. So now we're gonna talk about um, I Am Not Your Negro. Uh, It's a 2016 documentary film directed by Raoul Peck based on James Baldwin's unfinished manuscript, Remember This House. Narrated by actor Samuel L. Jackson, the film explores the history of racism in the United States through Baldwin's reminiscence, reminiscences of civil rights leaders Medgar Ever, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King Jr., as well as his personal observations of American history. It was nominated for Best Documentary Feature at the 89th Academy Awards and won the BAFTA Award for Best Documentary. What won Best Documentary that year? What year was that? Let's see. Best say 2016. The White Helm. Oh, no, that short film. That was a good documentary. I didn't see that one. Need to watch that. Uh, Best documentary. Where are you? It's still on Netflix. I think it was owned by. I think it's it is a Netflix. Amy. Oh, yeah, that year, O.J. Made in America won Best Documentary, which is also a really intense movie. Yes. Those those 30 for 30 documentaries, because that Bruce Lee film is also a 30 for 30 hmm. film. Um, but yeah, I Am Not Your Negro 
just I kind of went to see this film and this is another shame. This just shows like how much of a shame our education system is, especially for white folks who grew up in the suburbs like myself. Um, I really had no idea who James Baldwin was, which is like, which is a shame. It's very sad. Yeah. Um, I had the same experience when I saw it in theaters. I was like, how have I never like heard of this person before? Yeah. And even up until like this film, like, you know, I, I've seen Malcolm X. Uh, I knew I've read black power and the politics of liberation. And I knew, you know, Stokely Carmichael and like, and then when I saw this, I was like, how did I not know who James Baldwin was? Like, and, just as, like, an intellectual and writer. Like, yeah. put that aside. Like, he's incredible. Yeah, exactly. Like, even beyond the the scope of talking about civil rights and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, just as, like, a influential writer and, you know, yeah, like you said, an intellectual of that time. Man, this film was yeah. mind, this film was mind blowing. And speaking of the cadence, I think the voice acting was incredible, and the editor really played with that so well. Mm. Um, like the pacing of the speech really matched the pacing of the images, and it just like is woven together so well. And I there's never like as much as it can get slow at times, it never felt dull. Yeah. Um, it just felt very complete. Yeah, it's it's one of those pieces that I think transcends the this is this is the film that this podcast is for. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a film that takes documentary and puts cinematic form and language in it and creates a piece that is beyond just an information dump and it tells you you know, there's a pretty narrow focus cuz it's based on an unfinished manuscript, right? And then the way that they tell that story of of James Baldwin, the civil rights movement, uh, Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, uh, Martin Luther King, just like they said in that, and the way that they weave that all together into this like beautiful package of something that feels so human, so heartbreaking, so beautiful, so well written and spoken and there's so much pain there and there's so much humanity it just like oozes cinema this is like this is the type of film that when i think about documentary i actually get excited and i want Mm -hmm. to talk about it because it's more than just sitting down and learning something it's experiencing something it's breaking your heart it's showing you beauty it's connecting with humanity and it's telling the story of a huge event through a narrower focus so you're able to relate with it yeah i agree on that narrow focus i think that is something that makes almost gives documentaries more freedom when you focus because like you, those small elements can come in and you have a direction to go in. And I think that's what the other one lacked was it wasn't focused enough. And like they were able to tackle like him as a person, a lot of civil rights movements, different people. But like because the focus was his manuscript, it could kind of do all that under the umbrella of one thing. 
Yeah. And I think that is a, you know, whenever we're separating really great documentary cinema with like the documentaries that when you say documentary, most people think of, you know, there couldn't be two better examples than these two films, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're, they're genuinely so different in the way they talk about a very similar, I mean, the same time frame. And I Am Not Your Negro, I came out just like, like exhausted because I just went through this like journey and I was like, holy shit, like there's so much in here. I just like, you know, I immediately wanted to see it again. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, to like devour all of like James Baldwin's books and like all of this stuff. And, and it's when... very, I, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I found it like, which I appreciate very subtle in the editing. Like you're saying, you pick up on things the more you've watched. I think I've watched it three times now. And there's like a scene where you have like a commercial from the fifties of a white family doing like the stereotypical things of vacuuming, playing in the yard. And then later in the film, they have a very similar scene with a black family. And then you realize like, I have never seen that image before. Why does it look so strange? Not that it should look strange, yeah. um, but it just, it's a new image. And you're like, wow, like media has played a huge role in representation or lack of representation. Um, And I really liked on another tangent, how it goes or how they talk a lot about like cheap media um, and how images weaken our ability to understand the world. And a lot of stuff that we're seeing that comes out doesn't make us question, doesn't make us think. And this film is a really good, is an example of it, like making us think and question things and having a new take on the world because it's so beautifully done. Yeah. That, I think that's what I get excited about with documentary is when it takes you somewhere and you literally just think, why haven't I seen that before? Why haven't I heard that Mm -hmm. before? Why haven't I experienced that as a viewer that's what documentaries are made for in my i mean that's at least that's like that's not what they're made for but i think that's where they shine and where they where they have a place in cinema that is more interesting than your everyday talking heads film mm-hmm. and you know in, in similar ways the film Black Power Mixtape mm-hmm. where it's like the found footage and like I think there's something to be said for that because a lot of films I find myself attracted to that are historical films I feel like it's almost like too jarring to go from like archival footage to the talking head interviews Mm-hmm. And the ones that really like stand out to me are ones that are like uh, Black Power Mixtape, uh, I Am Not Your Negro, 
um, the Bruce Lee film. I mean, Weissman's films. Yeah, Weissman's films. Those are all, yeah. Um, I think it is it is hard to, like, transition between, like, past and present and, like, two dramatically different styles. Yeah. Like, it just naturally that doesn't, like, flow. Yeah. Agreed. I don't have enough. I have, I don't. This is just one of those films you just need to go watch and experience yourself. I don't mm-hmm. have a ton to say about it beyond go experience it, watch it, and then go like read James Baldwin and and live and then in that watch sp- it again. Yeah, and then watch the film again and like live in that space a little bit. So this is, I'm gonna give both of these films a watch it. Although John Lewis, I'm like watch it to learn more about John Lewis. And then I am not your Negro. I'm going to say emphatically go watch it right now because you have to see it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. There are, this is going to sound bad. There are other documentaries about John Lewis, ones that I haven't seen yet. So I would say, I don't know, maybe it's, is it worth trying a different one? Possibly. I I don't know. I was incredibly, like, besides learning about his life, which I really appreciate, um, I just really didn't enjoy it. So I would say... Maybe read a book about him or choose another documentary. Um, but yeah, I'm Not Your Negro, I think, needs to be watched. Absolutely. And yeah, maybe like a good audio book about John Lewis. And t- yeah. And then maybe check out some other films. And uh, if you're just interested in like getting in depth about what's happening now with in conjunction with history... You know, go watch LA 92, go watch mm-hmm. I Am Not Your Negro, go watch... Uh, Black Power Mixtape. Black Power Mixtape. Uh, there's so many, yeah. Definitely yeah. go go watch all those movies. Look, we're sticking around our 30 minutes. If we Look end at that. Now, so. Which I think is, to me, is like... You know, it's just like being a filmmaker of knowing when, you know, when you should stop. end your film. <laughs> I think we'll do that today. This feels like a good time to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. That does it for another episode of a documentary podcast. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Instagram at a documentary podcast. Um, you can also find us at a documentary And we are part of figure podcasts, which you can find all of our shows at figurepodcasts.com. Oh, and we have t-shirt designs. Go buy some. Yes, go check them out. Maybe we could uh, start doing this podcast every week if we can start paying ourselves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram at Joshua LeBure. You can find me at Catherine Marie underscore Sullivan. And until next time. Thank you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I like it. <laughs>